0: You ready for Basecamp Fitness's best deal yet? Seven days for $7. That's right. Seven days for $7. It's time to double down on your fitness goals and snag this offer before it's gone. Call or text Basecamp Fitness at 913 232 9770 or go to BasecampFitness.com to learn more.
1: He's just what you'd expect for a man who covers sports. Six foot four. Mm. 250 pounds. Mm. Uh wiry? Mm. But he does know Kansas City sports as well as anyone. He's Kansas City star columnist Sam McDowell on the program. Was that on the air? No. Did I mention that bad
2: attitude? You eating that it
0: here.
1: yeah Good looking apple, by the way.
0: I have apple envy. Strong. Whether I love a it's, good apple.
2: Whether it's food or words. that guy tries to eat healthy Ooh. and he gets
1: dumped on. No, it. I love a good apple.
2: Whether it's food or words, when I see your mouth moving, I wait to put the mics up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not a bad plan. Is it a granny, granny Smith? I don't know what
1: it is. I'm married. I like the Cosmic Crisp. It puts a beautiful bowl of apples and I grab one. That's that's how it works. Big fan of the Cosmic Crisp. Find is them it? at you,
0: your local henhouse.
1: Yeah, well, this is a hen. I don't know which one it is. I don't know what kind it is, but it's really good. It's green. Yes. Does that tell you anything? Looks like a Granny Smith. Okay, I'll take it. Good for making
0: pies. A little tart. It's a little tart, not real sweet. A little tart. It's perfect for pies, by the way. Do you want to gnaw on the only It's the best pie for making apple pie. Give it a give it Granny a, Smith. Yeah. See if you can figure it out. Because it, it, it keeps the consistency when you when you bake it. Is that right? That's why people use it. Oh, wow. My wife's a do tremendous you, baker. If so. you use a red delicious apple for a pie, you're probably going to up with, with mush. Use the Granny <laughs> Smith. That's what that's what they use in the Tippin's pies, which you can also find at Hen House. <laughs> I know my way around the kitchen.
1: Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. I'm not A lot I'm of kitchen amazed.
0: jobs, and my mom was one of the great cooks of all time.
1: I, I, listen, <laughs> I'm not arguing, man. Uh, Sam McDowell is uh, going to Speaking of this. food. Uh, Speaking of food, uh, Sam McDowell will be with us. He's brought to you by our friends at Jocelyn's Jewelry. Uh, Spring, for many, is time to get engaged. Uh, More than 1,000 engagement rings and wedding rings to choose from at Jocelyn's Jewelry. More than 40 years, Jocelyn's Jewelry has been uh, putting smiles on brides' faces. If it's time for you to buy the most important piece of jewelry you'll ever buy, there's only one place to go. It's Jocelyn's Jewelry, about a mile north of 435 at 95th and Antioch. You can find them online. At Joslyn's Jewelry.com. Don't forget, Gary does repairs as well. I uh, repaired my uh, my class ring. Never thought it would be the same. It's perfect now. Perfect! Uh, thank you to uh, my friends at Joslyn's Jewelry. Let's welcome Sam McDowell to the festivities. He's in Indianapolis, uh, home of the NFL Combine. Sam, how are you?
3: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
1: Uh, living the dream. You know, I had a nice uh, apple. I don't know if you heard that discussion at all. But uh so I got that going for me. Uh, and uh, and now I get to talk to you. What a joy. The apple of our eye. Yeah, the apple of our eye. What a peach.
3: <sighs> Sammy you give you give. I mean you're giving me nothing to reply to. I you stumped me here. <laughs> Uh, right no. off the top,
0: there, there is, there is nowhere to go with that. Even if you had any fruit, fruit based humor,
2: yeah, do you have any? Do you have any banana jokes? I've or? got
3: none. I've no? got none. Nothing. And Not, even
2: if he did, Sam doesn't have the grapes to try them on that's on live. Radio. That's, that's a good you point.
3: Know, the berries. Know, I, I try. I try my best to prepare for this segment, and that never came up in my preparation. Yeah, like we don't maybe, even prepare maybe we'll for this make segment. fruit analogy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, What did you prep? Let me know, and I'll take you there.
3: Right. <laughs> um, well, I'm out here at the NFL Combine. I spent the weekend at uh, spring training, which I know you are at as well. Uh-huh. But um, you know, I, I think from chatting with people, it certainly seems likely that uh, overwhelmingly likely that the Chiefs are planning to tag Latjerious Snead. Right. Um, but um, from other people I chat with, I, I don't think you know. A couple of years ago, they tagged uh, Chris, a year ago they tagged Chris Jones. Right. Uh-huh. What well, was the resolution? Chris Jones came into camp and he played on the franchise tag. I don't think that that's necessarily... Well, he did not
1: come outcome. into camp. He came back to practice right. a week right. in a year
3: and right. played on the tag and played on a but prorated I version. Don't, I don't think that that, that if LeGarrius Sneed does indeed get tagged, I don't think that's necessarily going to even be the most likely outcome of what we're talking about come camp or in the Chris Jones sense come week two of an NFL season.
1: And can we um, can we hang on, can we back up? He didn't play under the franchise tag last year, did he? He played under the two final ago.
3: year he played two years ago more, they tagged him, right?
1: No. Well not think so. He was on the final year of his deal and he wanted a new one going into the last year. This he 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 wasn't he was franchised in back in nineteen.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, two contracts ago. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, so yeah,
1: uh, really, the contract he's finishing up was the the one he signed and under the franchise was under tag. the
3: tag last time. I yeah. mean, it it, it it's, yeah. it's
1: it's a little bit semantics because it worked the same way. Like, it
3: is, but that's an important that's an important distinction to, yeah. to make, is that I that I got mixed up there. So I'm, I'm glad you cor- you clarified that. That's what um, I'm here for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, I I still think that in this situation, you know, with LeJarrius Sneed, it allows the Chiefs to sort of investigate what are your future options. And I really think that a trade is going to be an enticing option if they go the franchise route and then they cannot work out a long-term deal. I, I, don't, a- I do, you, do
1: you think there's any, do you really think that they want to try to work a long-term deal with LeJarrius Sneed? I think the franchise tag is being thrown on only to trade him.
3: So you basically, like, one of the things you're gathering intel is, like, player value at this combine. And a lot of that player value, I think people, in, you know, rightly assume that that means what is a player going to be paid. But in this situation, like, part of the homework the Chiefs need to do this week at, at Indianapolis is what if LeGarious needs value in terms of draft picks? Because you can get the third-round comp pick for him if he mm-hmm. signs elsewhere. And so, therefore, what you need to look at is, can I beat that? You know, can I get better than that? Because obviously, the the receiving team is also going to have to be willing to pay Le'Jarius Sneed And I mean, you know, players and agents are certainly aware of this cap increase that was beyond what teams' expectations were. And therefore, there's going to be some players that are thinking, "This is the what a great year that I'm a free agent this year when this cap jumps." And the smart teams are going to say. It jumps this year, but we don't know what it's going to do next year. There's no guarantee it's going to have any sort of significant jump the next year and still structure their contracts accordingly. And I think the Chiefs are going to be one of those teams. I don't think the Chiefs are suddenly going to throw around a hell of a lot more money because of the cap jump this year. But it does allow you to, you know, have the room to operate with, you know, say, be into free agency with a, with a $19 million tag number, $19.8 million tag number, and, and look for a trade, you know, like a, a pre-draft trade to try and collect the draft assets in a similar way they did, you know, with, with Tyreek Hill when his deal was expiring or, or something of that sort. So, like I said, I, I don't think that, um, you know, and I'd, I'd even put it less than 50% that we're talking about LeJarrius Sneed playing on the tag next year, and I still think LeJarius Snead gets tagged.
1: Um, I think he does get tagged, and there's reports out there that he's been told that, that he'll be tagged, and that he's okay with it because they're going to let him go, uh, you know, he and his agent go seek trade offers. And so, to me, I, I, I just don't, the only thing that's, you know, what what I say the date was, March 15th for when DeForest Buckner went, which to me is a similar situation where there was a high-caliber player. Uh, yeah, it, it, the story was written on March 16th, so presumably he was traded on March 15th. You know, the, the tag was looming out there, and the Colts went and said, okay, we're going to go get him. And so I think that's the move here for the Chiefs. I don't know that you even – I mean, I think you tell people on the fact that you will put the franchise tag on him, but they they don't have that much room to be carrying a $20 million hit for a guy that they, I don't think, can fit, frankly. And and nor should they want to, because corners in their late 20s and early 30s are usually on their way out the door.
3: Well, yeah, and we also know that LeJarrius Sneed dealt with a knee injury that kept him out yes. for all of all of training camp. And that knee injury did not just disappear during the season. Like, he played through some things this season that – You know, I mean, the Chiefs are certainly aware of the medicals. And, you know, it's going to allow other teams, if he potentially reaches an agreement with somebody else, to see the medicals as well. Like, that is a question that is looming over the entire Legereus Sneed offseason.
1: Well, that's why if I can get anything more than the third-round pick for Legereus Sneed, I'm tickled and he's off and going. Well, how would you handle it? That's what I would do. And if I don't get anything for him, I'm not tagging him. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sam. I'm not tagging him. I'm walking away and just taking the compensation pick, hoping he does have one healthy year and I can get a decent compensation pick. But I've got no interest in carrying $20 million of luxurious Sneed if I'm Brett Veach and the Chiefs.
3: My number one option for a while now with him has been that tag-and-trade option, because there's there's teams out there that are going to view him as worthy of paying and giving up a second-round pick in order to have the exclusive negotiations with. And, you know, I mean, one that that comes to mind for me that seems to make a lot of sense would be Atlanta, potentially. And the reason I I float them out there, and I know Atlanta's already spending a lot on their defensive backfield, um, but... You've got a coach that's coming in who's a defensive coach, and I think in order to prove his worth in year one – the thought is that he needs to improve the defense in Atlanta and you know coaches that on one side of the ball typically get a little bit of extra time to work on the extra side, the other side of the ball and you know having a shutdown cornerback in your first year on a new job i think would be awfully attractive oh. for a team that's got some cast
1: for sure and, and i think almost every team that you're talking about well literally every team because the last 2 years the chiefs have won the super bowl i mean maybe there's a handful of teams you could say are legit super bowl contenders but most of the teams that you're going to talk to out there are trying to save their jobs,
3: exactly. right? You're, you're... And, and, by the, and by the way, there's going to be some teams that part of that saving the jobs is like not helping the Chiefs get better, and you know because they, they feel like they're going to have to to beat the Chiefs or get through the Chiefs. And Atlanta's not one of those teams. And you know, I actually think Atlanta's got a player or two that might be attractive to the Chiefs, which is the one thing that we kind of rarely discuss. When Because we, it's easy for us to assess value in terms of draft picks and dollars to players, but I, I think Atlanta's got a player or two that, that potentially could be enticing to the Chiefs as well.
1: Well, well so are we back on We're. we're... Is there anybody other than people just, like, connecting dots of trades that they think might make sense? Is there anyone who's actually got reporting that Kyle Pitts is available?
3: I don't know that there's reporting that he's available. Um yeah i mean i think I think with Pitt, that there's certainly some some logical sense to it uh
1: who in it, who like, who know. in Atlanta fits because I, I hear all this and and i've taken i've twice been asked about Justin Jefferson and i don't understand how you know the chiefs of the team everyone's chasing, and it's a copycat league, and the chief's blueprint was to put massive weapons around a young quarterback and now everybody out there is is putting things on Twitter that teams that don't have the quarterback the first thing they should do is be jettisoning all the weapons
3: yeah I mean I just I think Atlanta has a lot of skilled players um, and and this is a situation where we're not talking about them giving up skilled players in order to acquire draft picks for the future it's a situation where they want to acquire um, a known commodity. And Atlanta is far from the only team. You know, I think Green Bay could make sense. I don't know what's going to happen with Jair Alexander this offseason. But there's other teams that have shown, you know, a track record of of believing a cornerback needs to be part of the puzzle, needs to be part of the equation. Um, And so I think, you know, there's going to be more than one team, if the Chiefs pursue this route, who – is willing to pay luxurious Sneed, which is why I think the the route is to go with the franchise tag. I think there's going to be enough suitors to where you can get into the second round. And, I mean, you could acquire a second-round guy a pick for a, a guy you took in the fourth round and got the full rookie contract out of. I mean, that, that's pretty good business in the NFL over the long haul.
1: Uh, I, I I would agree because like I said, there's a lot of people like Brian Poles that, that need to make the playoffs, right? That, I don't think they really can even begin to worry about the Super Bowl uh, once they get to the playoffs. Then they'll try to figure it out. But uh, I, I think that there are guys that you know flat out need uh, to, to have winning records to, to get there, and so I think there are the, 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 those are the suckers you should be playing if you're yeah, the Kansas and so, City so, Chiefs.
3: And so, sorry to interrupt, sir, but the, the, the theme of those. Uh, coaches and teams you're talking about is they're looking at the short term. Like there are teams out there that have to, like you just said, they they need to have a good 2024. And what has led to this Chiefs run that they're on, besides the obvious of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, like the key component is they haven't pushed their chips all in for the short term. And so, like it's it's you know I, I think other. Contending teams, you know, like the Bills two years ago when they went all in and, 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 you know, signed Von Miller to a contract we all knew was outrageous at the time, but it was good for one year, terrible for the back end of it, should take note of the fact that the Chiefs, like we were having a conversation about the two time defending Super Bowl champions trading what we all agree is a valuable member of their team, was a, a key reason why they were Super Bowl champion and it surprised me and I understand that the Chiefs had the luxury of winning championships and therefore perhaps a little bit less of the pressure that, that you're talking about that some of these other coaches are facing but it still has surprised me that there's been fewer teams that have jumped in and, and seen that a it's not just that they've got the quarterback or the head coach figured out like they've got this offseason blueprint figured out too. No, I,
1: I agree. And I, I think uh, Brett Veach, has long said it, that he's the most underrated part uh, of the equation for for the Kansas City Chiefs championship runs. Uh, we're talking to Sam McDowell here in the program. Diana Rossini has this on Twitter. The Chiefs have, in fact, let LeJarrius, Legere- some of this we've already discussed, but I'm just going to read the whole tweet. Uh, the Chiefs have, in fact, let Lajarius Legere- Seed know the franchise tag is on the table, but they're still open to work a long-term deal. I personally don't buy that, but I'm sure that's what they have to say, and I think that's probably accurate. Accurate as to what she was told. And she says, As for a new contract for Chris Jones, I'm told the Chiefs are focused on getting it done. Still some time. I mean, he's, there's no point in him getting it done before he can get to free agency, right? Like, he should at least hear what other people are going to offer, right?
3: I mean, it would have had be sentimentality on on his part, basically. And because, I mean, certainly the Chiefs need to be in the same position. They, there's no reason that the Chiefs should be in a different position than they were a year ago. And some people, I'm sure, would say, well, hey, Chris Jones had a really good Super Bowl. He had a good season. He was a key guy in the playoffs. Well, the Chiefs knew that aspect. They knew all of that stuff already. And they stuck at their number where they were last season, like that number shouldn't change. Um, and even with, and that's what I, I when I mentioned earlier, the fact that the salary cap took an unexpectedly larger jump than than anticipated. Like that shouldn't change where the Chiefs value these guys, where they value their own players, where they value free agents. Like they need to stick to their numbers. That's what's been key to the last six years here.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's there's no reason to be all in. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, We are all in, however, with Sam McDowell. He is at the NFL Combine. Uh, The columnist for the Kansas City Star joins us each and every week here in the program. He's brought to you by our friends at Joslin's Jewelry. Gary Joslin and his staff, absolutely the best. You know, some of his staff has been with him for more than 30 years. The most knowledgeable jewelers in the city. That's Gary Joslin at Joslin's Jewelry. Happy to do repairs. In fact, he's done more than 100,000 repairs. Go see him at the corner 95th and Antioch online at joslinsjewelry.com
0: all right the joe's kansas city barbecue burnt end of the hour answer this is a bit of a stretch here you'll like this being a a fan of this team what role did don ford play in the lakers dynasty of the 1980s you won't know will you uh the name's not ringing a bell Don Ford. He was a middling player for the Lakers in the late 70s and in February of 1980. He he
1: was dealt for like Worthy or Byron Scott, I'm assuming.
0: He was dealt with a 1980 first-round draft pick to Cleveland for Butch Lee and a 1982 first-round draft pick. Cleveland happened to have the worst record in the NBA. They had to lose a coin toss or win a coin toss with uh, the Clippers. The Lakers, in effect, uh, being the the, the Cavs and then situation. did the Clippers
1: trade it? Because wouldn't Dominique Wilkins, the player that went two after James Worthy,
0: might have, might have? But the Lakers it ended up with like the number Lakers. one overall pick in the NBA draft the year after winning the national championship and drafted James Worthy. My one of my all time favorite Lakers, fastest first step. I've ever seen. Uh, he would just post a guy up, and then boom, gone, dunk.
2: I thought you were going to tell me he's the guy that like they told other wives when they were out with another woman. No, I was out with Ford. I was out with Don Ford. He was the. Yeah, was the alibi. Here's their phone, Wow, that right? got salty fast. Holy cow! We all we all watched the
1: Showtime, the well, winning time, winning time. Yeah, second season. Did you watch the second season? Yeah, it was really good was till it? like in the middle. They're like, okay, we're going to end it. Here's a speech. Goodbye. Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't watch the second season? I didn't watch the second season. It was, I, I, thought going it was along I thought it was going to be the 81 season
0: where they lost, and I'm like, I don't really care. It
1: was going along great. And then, like, on episode six or seven, because, like, just, the first year was, like, ten episodes, they're like, yeah, here's the speech. The Lakers are go on to win a whole bunch. You're like, what? The What just happened there? Wow. Like, Sounds it, like I, I won't yeah. be going back to watch it. I would go watch really? it. It's worth okay. it. Yeah. Okay. The, I'll, the, I'll the, check it out. The episodes are really good. I don't know. The first what, one was the first. Season the writer's was so strike good. supposedly came along, and they... They had to deliver it. Uh, and they didn't have anyone. I, to, oh, and they're that. like, well, we're not renewing it. Like, you could, This could have gone for like 10
2: years. Yeah, the they they is, were good for a while. I think maybe episode two in second season, there's a there's a scene in, with a speech from Riley. Like yeah, what, what's his
1: name who plays Riley?
2: Adrian yeah, Brody. Yeah. And like one dude smoking a cigarette. Like the, He's just like, you guys don't give a muh about this. I mean, he went off and that's a great scene. <laughs> yeah, will
1: to, to watch that. Yeah, he does a great job. Uh, Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, we just gave it away. Speaking you can get it job. tonight. Joe'sKC.com Order it tonight. Pick it up. They're incredibly efficient. Making the greatest barbecue in the world. Send it anywhere in the country at Joe's kc.com that's joe's kc.com sam mcdowell's with us he's at the combine in indianapolis um so what do you see a chris jones deal getting done or do you see somebody coming in and and knocking his socks off and just blowing the chiefs out of the water on what they would offer
3: Well, I I think if he gets to free agency, there's certainly going to be teams that are willing to offer and should be offering more than what the Chiefs are offering. So it's going to come down to the player's mindset and whether or not, you know, he wants to be part of the, uh, the team that could be the first NFL three, peat I mean, um, it's going to have to come down to him taking, like I said, sentimentality over, you know, practicality of the most money. And, and, with, and, with and there is with the there exact is, opposite way. Last
1: exact. Time. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry to step on you, but there's no evidence that that is his mindset. None. Right. He did the
3: exact opposite thing last year. Like he did it he did it, he did it even at the, the end of the position. year by playing
1: in the last game to get a paycheck as opposed to laying up and you know, resting for the playoffs. It was more important to get the million and I don't I don't blame him. I'm not villainizing him, but like the idea that he's suddenly now gonna be like, It's all about history. <laughs>
3: I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, like, uh, his, his own history has shown us differently. I mean, his own history has shown us that he's a guy who likes to get paid. And I totally agree with what you said, too. Like, there's this, this like, uh, stigma around guys that want to get paid the most rather than saying, like, giving some sort of hometown discount. Like, their careers are short. And I realize it's in, it's, we're talking about the difference between millions. Like, you're already getting millions, but. It's, it's totally their prerogative and their right to, to chase the most amount of money and that's what decides 95% of these free agent deals that we're going to be talking about in the month.
1: How many people change jobs because they got a raise from 48 grand to 55, right? tons, yeah, you know, yeah, or whatever, 110 to 135, like this idea that, well, I mean, enough, it's more than you can count. I got it, but it's no different, right? Because there's, there's always a bigger boat. There's always a bigger house. There's always a bigger house on the ocean. There's always a a, a bigger plane to fly on. It, 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 listen, it, it didn't like when, when, when Jeff Bezos builds a boat. That's so big, it needs like a $40 million boat to follow it. It's clear there is no end.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I, I think Chris Jones has just given us all the evidence in the world of, of what he's thinking going into this free agency. And... Mm-hmm. Which makes your first question to me the most relevant, which is, will someone outbid the Chiefs? And I think the answer is yes. There's teams that are in better positions to pay Chris Jones more money, and there's teams that should be willing to pay Chris. Like, Chris Jones was not wrong about his value last year. But the Chiefs were not wrong that they couldn't afford that value last year.
1: So, what's your gut tell you? Uh, One's back, neither are back? What, what, What do you think happens in the end?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I mean, first of all, I'll preface this by saying I, I don't think the Chiefs know the answer to that yet. Um, but I think, you know, percentage-wise, I, I think there's probably less than 50% for each of them. Um, you know, Brett Veach said all the right things, and, and we as writers get them off to the side afterwards as well. Um, and I'll just read straight from his quote. He said it would be great to get Chris and LJ done. That's our goal and intention. We also know that it's not 100%. It might not even be 75%. It might be 50%. So we'll have a backup plan for that.
1: I, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I just, I can't make the math work on, on keeping them, right? I, I And I, I think there's just so many examples of, like, you know, they, they, you know, they walked on Orlando Brown, and they got a minute who Edwards
3: and Tranquil. Yeah, sign me up. With, with, I mean, Stern, when's the last time you could make the math work? When's the last time the Chiefs decided they could make the math work? Uh, really? year, I
1: think you're have... four of, of Patrick Mahomes' contract.
3: Yeah, I think you got to go to like the the quarterbacks or Chris Jones' last deal. Uh, I mean, like, that's how long it really has been since the Chiefs decided that, that this made sense for them to give out a second multi-year contract to a player. Um, and, again, like, that's why they're here. Like, people assume because of, like, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid, I think, give out people outside of Kansas City the illusion that it's the same team, that the reason the Chiefs are so good is their consistency. But, like, the reason the Chiefs are so good is their willingness to change. Their willingness You mentioned Orlando Brown. I mean, throw Tyron Matthew in this bucket, too. There's, and obviously Tyree Kill. But, like, there's a lot of guys that fall into this bucket of people even in this city saying, how are they going to go without this guy? And I think, look, if they get rid of Chris Jones and or LeJarrius Snead, I think that would be the immediate reaction is, wow, that's a really tough guy to lose. Um, but they've always just prioritized the uh, – we're we're not playing for this year. We're playing for the next five years, and and the best move over the next five years is is to collect these assets instead.
1: Uh, you know they're tough guys to lose. None of them will be as tough as Tyree Kill, and they've already done that.
3: I, I, I so I, I think that Chris Jones is slightly above him, just because look when you lost Tyree Kill. But I mean this is this is really nitpicking. Uh, but when you did lose Tyree Kill, you still had uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes on that side of the ball. And Travis Kelsey, too, even though obviously he is getting older. Um, when you lose Chris Jones, if that happens, there's not that fallback guy that says, well, at least this guy is still the leader of this group. And so I've always thought that losing Chris Jones would be the toughest loss that, that they frankly have had in this era. And look, uh, Tyree, Tyree Kill is I mean, two, two years later, Tyree Kill is still arguably as good as any receiver in the game. And they traded him two years ago. Um, so it, it's hard to, to argue against that. I just think that this would be a little bit different because, like I said, there's no fallback for the defense.
1: Uh, the uh, I, I'm not going to bother arguing with you, but I would disagree I, for a lot of different reasons. I think Tyree Kill. And I think he's, frankly, more of a game changer than Chris Jones is. I and mean, I think Chris Jones is really good. He's, he's definitely a game changer. But I think Tyree Kill really changes everything out there. And – that that's the other part of the equation on on Sneed and and Jones is how long are you going to keep asking Patrick Mahomes to you know do it without a left tackle and do it without a number one wideout at what point does like making sure your franchise quarterback isn't pissed become a priority?
3: I'm sure that's part of their off season discussions and I mean look I think it's it's winning the Super Bowl certainly prevents people from getting pissed, I think. Um, but there's no question that the Chiefs had the least offensive talent they'd ever surrounded their quarterback with. Uh, now, Patrick Mahomes has contributed to some of that. I mean, he's, he asked for a raise this off offseason. You know, what was it two weeks into the season? Sometime in September. Um, like, he's, his cap number's only increasing over the next three years barring any future restructures. So, Like, one of the reasons they're in this position that we're discussing whether or not they can afford all these guys is because Patrick Mahomes decided he wanted to get paid. And again, totally his right, he could get paid significantly more if he somehow was on the open market. He's still taking less money than he could otherwise take, but he's taking more money than he did a year ago at this time.
1: Um, I'm not going to stand by and listen to you (laughs) sully the name of Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Um, how dare
3: you, Sam? I think uh, yeah, I think I called him selfish. I mean, yeah, all that stuff. Uh,
1: listen, are I you mean, uh... are you uh, in this camp of uh you know, well, will just rework his deal, just rework his deal. Or do you look at cap hits of 59, 61? 63 and 59 million starting this year, uh, as like, no, we don't need to push 10, 12, 15 million back and have an $80 million cap hit on down the road.
3: Yeah, I think more towards the the latter. And there's there's two parts to that. More towards the latter, just because this is a season where the cap jumped uh, a very high percentage. Um, But two, I don't know that it's completely up to the the Chiefs. I mean, I think it goes to the very top. Like, Clark Hunt's going to have the say on that. And he has for a while now of, of operating under, like, their cash and their salary cap are often one and the same. You know, they're not these other teams that, uh, like the Rams, that will overspend that. And so I don't think they can uh, kick all that money down, even if they decided that was the best thing for, for their roster construction this year.
1: Uh, if, I'm pa- <clears throat> if I'm Patrick Mahomes... Uh, It might be, you know, this is something to watch for. I think they're quite fortunate that he has not gone this road because the Chiefs are like that. You're right. Their cash expenditure is a bigger deal than it is with a lot of other teams. But the Hunt family has the money. So of that, they do, yeah. That's great that they, you know, run it that way, but at some point if Pat goes, Listen, I'm looking at this and I'm kind of a capologist because I pay attention to it, and here's the deal. You're gonna give me a hundred million up front in a signing bonus because we can prorate it out over the length of five years of the deal, and it's the best way to make this all work. And that's great that you have numbers that you don't want to go beyond. Go beyond it. Or I went out like they're fortunate that that game has not been played. Like at some point Patrick Mahomes might mean that you got to do it differently cuz he's the best that ever was.
3: Totally agree with all of that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. like they they have look, I mean, they they can afford to spend more um than the cap. They can afford to kick some of their numbers down the road and and eat different numbers of the cap each year cash-wise, but it's not the way they've operated to date
1: yeah no I, I, I would agree. Um, what else is being talked about there uh, combine you know the the uh, big uh, football sleepover that's uh, that is the combine there what, what are some of the common themes going around uh, there
3: um, well I mean you've got literally the prospects out here right so I mean um, I, I think when you look at the draft, there's some things that could fall more in place for the Chiefs than I think that they lined up the past, like, let's say, year or two, which is it's a deep wide receiver class this year. Guess who needs wide receivers? It is a deep offensive line class this year, including at the tackle position. Guess who probably needs a tackle and perhaps, you know, an interior line? Um, and so I think, look, I mean, that's ultimately the reason for the combine as much as gauging um, – what, what you're going to do in free agency is just, just chatting with the players and, and potential future prospects. And I think that the draft could, could line up pretty well for the Chiefs, which plays into the conversation we've had over the first half hour. If you do acquire more draft picks, well, it's not a terrible year to, to try and acquire more draft picks for the Chiefs.
1: No, I, I agree. And and I'm, I'm always in favor of that. In fact, I'm in favor of even if the picks are in the future, just – just keep acquiring them and it'll give you more ammunition, whether it's to move up or just, you know, throw numbers at whatever issue it is you're trying to solve uh, with the ro- with the roster. I, I definitely think it's uh, the right way to go. Uh, we're talking to Sam McDowell. He's in Indianapolis at the Combine. He mentioned he was at spring training with the uh, Kansas City Royals before this. We'll talk some Royals baseball with Sam McDowell uh, coming up next. Sam McDowell proudly brought to you by our friends at Joslin's Jewelry. Gary's the best. You you got any question when they, uh, when it comes to uh, jewelry? You know, he does like uh, the, uh, the the municipalities, the law enforcement. When there are seizures, they take the jewelry to uh, Gary Joslin. That's right. Uh, they trust Joslin's Jewelry uh, to tell them exactly what it is they've got in this situation. You can trust Gary Joslin the same way me and my family trust Joslin's Jewelry. They're at 95th and Antioch online at Joslin's Talking to Sam McDowell here in the program. He's in Indianapolis at the Combine. Can we get to the bottom
0: of whether or not he actually drove a Combine to the Combine, as Adam suggests?
1: Yeah, how'd you get there, Sam?
3: Uh, Rental car, Jesse Newell and I.
1: Oh, wow. How long did it take you?
3: Uh, We stopped for lunch, and I think it was still under seven hours.
0: Who controls the radio?
3: Um, You know, the conversation is just so riveting between the two of us that you don't even need the radio.
1: Uh, Stephen and I, well, Stephen was in the passenger seat. I drove. So you call it Stephen and I or you can call it me. Uh, sub-six. <laughs> and, that's, I, uh, and that's with getting a ticket for passing a cop in Columbia. <laughs>
3: um, one, there was one year I drove back on my own, and I felt like I was going to make it in under six. And then uh, the only stop I made to get gas, I uh, Turner went the wrong way on the highway for about ten minutes.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that'll cut down it's hard on your to time. make up that yeah, time. Yeah, it's hard to make. You just yeah. can't get that time back. That's well, a tough one. That's a tough break right there. I Hate to see that one.
3: Well, uh, I, w- I wish I could say it was a break. It was self inflicted. Yeah, yeah I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> um, what did you think of spring training? What was your takeaway?
3: Well, I mean, look. I'm not going to be the guy who sits there and watches a bullpen or watches a guy BP guys BP and be like, "Oh yeah, this guy's going to have a breakout year." Um, I will say, like, by the way,
1: the guys who think they are, they're not those guys either. Who look good? Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
2: Um, My favorite question at spring training or training camp: Who look good? I, I can't believe no one's talking about who's in the best shape of their life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. There
3: some guys in some good – there are some guys. MJ Melendez is a, is a best shape of my life kind of guy, I think. Um, and, look, I mean, he, he, he started his, his off season like 10 days after the royal season and usually he waits like a month. Um, there, there's there's – I definitely – look, there's clearly a reason for more optimism. Um, but last year I thought there was a different vibe in spring training that derived from the managerial change. I thought it was a looser clubhouse. This year, I mean, you talk to the people who are involved in it, and there's like there's a more business-like approach to it. And I think that this team needed some veterans, not just for the reason to improve the roster, um, but also to have a veteran presence in the clubhouse because it was a young team that I think at times got caught in slums that they were unable to get out of, but also got – you know, I mean, you needed to say at some point, guys, you're on pace to lose the 110 games. Um, something's got to change. Like, this, this needs to be taken seriously. And I do think there's a different sort of mindset, mood, whatever word you want to use around spring training this year. And, I mean, look, is that going to lead to better results? I, I think more likely than not, but certainly not a guarantee. I mean, we, we talked about can the Royals be competitive. Like, they got to win 25 more games just to go 500 this year. Like, we're asking you know, them to make a big leap, you know, to be in an in, in AL Central race that we all think is going to be open.
1: Uh, I, so you, uh, chemistry equals winning in baseball? Because I'm pretty much,
3: like, spare me the chemistry. <laughs> I don't know about chemistry. Um, I think that, I, I think... I do think that young guys need some veteran presence. And whether or not that means chemistry, I think sometimes it can kind of mean the opposite of chemistry. I, mean, I think sometimes it's, it's somebody getting into you. Um, but I think it became apparent when you just watched the Royals last year that it was a very young team that made young mistakes where mistakes lasted weeks rather than days. Um so I, I do think there's some value in just the type of players they added as well.
1: I uh I still can't help you. I'm not I won't even go there. I mean you can't soft pedal it enough. Like I think the value is in that they have real big league guys. Right? Maybe they're not big league stars. Well, of course, but, yeah. I, but I think that's it. Like who have you talked to Michael Walker and Seth Lugo? I mean you know, if, if if your daughter brought one of them home, you'd be thrilled. They seem like the nicest guys in the world. Like, that, I don't think they're... Now, listen, I, I don't know what they're like in a clubhouse or in a competitive environment. Maybe Michael Walker will flip a, you know, a, a spread in the clubhouse and, you know, unload on everybody. But, I mean, I, I think the, what... what what it takes are guys having competitive at bats, guys getting on the mound and throwing strikes, guys getting swing and misses from the mound, guys hitting the ball over the wall.
3: I think that's what creates it all. I mean,
1: you
2: know, sure,
3: sure. But I like, I, like they had a couple of at bats last year in games where, you know, it's a situa- it's situational hitting type stuff that. You know, frankly, I thought with one out a guy on third base, there's a reason they're bad at it. Um, I don't know that guys were really concentrated on getting runs home when you're 40 games below 500. And you still got to practice that. Um, And when when I say practice that, I mean, that still has to be your emphasis in those situations, regardless of what the standings are. Um, And I think that's the reason why certain guys were at it. This year, and beyond like I said, beyond the talent aspect, but i mean talent wise I mean, that 's obviously the headline of the spring training i mean they should they 've got more talent in the bullpen they 've got more talent in the rotation. Um, and even if less so, they, they still do have more talent in the lineup than, no, than what they've had. I,
1: yeah, I think I think they have that. They, there are guys still with ceiling, right, upside the Velasquez. I mean, is he really a 500-something slug guy? Like, holy cow, that's quite a weapon, right? Like, um, we're, we're going to find that out. They, but there's upside for him to have production and everything. But I think, you know, now... Look, the numbers are great, but if you don't have anybody that can hit from the right side against lefties, well, it's great that you know that you should platoon. But if there isn't a guy to put in there to do it, it doesn't matter. And and my assumption is I haven't, you know, gone through and grinded out what I think the actual, you know, thirteen-man position players are going to be. But I think they're going to be able to mix and match a lot more, and I think that's going to benefit them. And. That's because they've got guys that are more talented, and I think you've got a manager now that's willing to do all that with a you know bullpen that he can do it with, and position players he can do it with. I think they're they're balanced out pretty good. Now I'll say this: you know, one of one of the Randy and I in our Kaufman Corner podcast talked about you know the things we wanted to see in spring training, and one of the things I wanted to see was Hunter Renfro hit. And it wasn't because the the numbers mean anything. I just that's that was the most you know cool reception of all the free agent moves was Hunter Renfro so I didn't want to go into the year like well Renfro was like four for 40 in spring training well it's worse he's already got back tightness yeah like, so yeah. that that that's the first piece of brat, uh first piece of bad news we've had still very early they say he's only going to be out a couple of days I, I buy that when I see it but that's the only bad news I've seen so far.
3: Yeah, you know, I I think one thing that kind of got lost in last season when I was chatting with guys is I I think we always overrate, you know, the Royals having this winning September. Um, But I looked back at the last 71 games for the Royals. It was basically after the All-Star break. That's why it's that amount. They were eighth in baseball in exit velocity. They were fifth in the amount of hard-hit baseballs they had. And one person, the reason I looked this up is I was looking up M.J. Melendez, the, the, what, what changed for him. And they looked, there were some good santa that changed. He changed his hands. Uh, but the top three guys in exit velocity after the All-Star break last year in all of baseball, number one was Aaron Judge, won the MVP two years ago. Number two was Ronald Acuna Jr., won the MVP last year. Three in all of baseball, M.J. Melendez.
1: He's Listen, you just open a can of worm that I need like 10 minutes on because I don't understand. He is also frequency of contact is atrocious. I don't understand how the guy can like swing and miss or hit it on the button. Like if that continues, you, you take a shot. I've got 30 seconds, so don't take a shot. But. I can't figure that out. Listen, Michael Garcia has a great exit velocity. I'll give you one other thing exactly. that, I, that was a little bit negative. 26. 26 and, and outside, yeah. Alex Zumwalt was not talking about increasing anybody's launch angle, which that's a little concerning, right? Hard hit is great, hard hit on the ground is not. So yeah. that's one thing I'm going I'm I'm to bring up out.
3: MJ Melendez every time we have 30 seconds left now that I know this. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I appreciate it. You go get some drinks, get a belly full, you and Eager. Have fun. <laughs> All right, how many Hall of Fame players have been the head coach in a Super
0: Bowl? Brought to you by Good Sense.